Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for what you've already done this morning and the ways you've already been speaking to us through worship. And so, Father, we invite you right now, though, to prepare our hearts to receive the word that you have for each one of us, the specific word, not just, not just another sermon, but the specific word that you have for us and what, the ways that you want to challenge us this morning. I pray, Father, you give Kendra the clarity of speech to, to present that, what you are speaking through her to us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. This morning, I can't lower the podium. This is part of our props from the weekend. You know, usually you have to lower the podium for Kendra, mm -hmm. and I was going to bring a box for her to stand on, but... Then I, I would forgot. be limited. Yeah, you'd have to keep her I at would, one I spot. I wouldn't be, yeah. I am <laughs> so. going to push it this way a little bit. No, I'm not. It doesn't roll that way. So to compensate, I had to wear heels. Um, just real quick, before we take a look at the next hero of the faith... Um, I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm sitting up here just in all of God's faithfulness, as Treva said. Um, God has been so faithful. And we look at all these t-shirts, and um, this weekend it was really fun to have the, the youth who were helping as counselors look at, at the t-shirts and be like, I remember from that t-shirt on. I remember from that t-shirt on. I was, I, that was my first year. Um, God's so faithful. God is so faithful. He's been so faithful. And um, it's just, to me, it's exciting to watch. Every year, we have people that are stepping up. Every year, we have new kids that are coming. Every year, seeds are being planted in people's lives. Um, yeah, and Matt's not in here, but I was going to call him out because I... This year, we finally have our first, like, second-generation camper. Because Matt and Tyler both were here as campers back in 2003. And their kids were here this year for the first time. They are finally old enough to be here. So that's pretty cool to see that generational thing happening. All right. This morning, we are going to take a look at the next person. But before we do that, because, you know, in honor of kids' camp... We need to have a little object lesson, so let me do this first, okay? So I have two pairs of shoes up here. I've got this pair, and I've got this pair. You probably can't see them real well, because you're sitting really far away today. <laughs> I don't know what happened to my front row crew. They moved back a row. Um, this pair has some dog hairs in it. I've dug stones out of the bottom of this pair. I've probably had to scrape some manure off of the bottom when I quickly wear them to the barn <laughs> before I go somewhere. This pair um, is my go-to pair of shoes. They're the ones that are comfortable. These are the ones that I've walked a lot of miles in. This pair, they might look cooler, but they're not very comfortable. I haven't used them very often. They're not very worn on the bottom. I haven't dug any stones out of the bottom of these. They both sit in my closet. One pair gets worn. <clears throat> and this pair that gets worn has evidence of many miles. 
This morning we're going to be talking about walking with God. We're going to be talking about someone who was known for walking with God. So I invite you actually to just take a look at the screen. I want to read a few verses from Hebrews um, chapter 11. Let's read verses 5 and 6 together. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Enoch. How many of you have ever heard of Enoch? Some of you familiar with the name? All right. Good. He's kind of an obscure little guy way back in Genesis. So let's go back to Genesis. Let's see what the writer of Genesis has to say about Enoch. I invite you to look at Genesis chapter 5. Um, Christian, if you can, yeah, just let, no, let the Hebrews one up for a bit because I'd like to read a few verses um, that are not on the screen. Genesis chapter 5, if you would like to look that up and follow along. I'm going to start in um, verse 3. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 1. This is the written account of Adam's line. Okay, who was Adam? He was the first man that was created, right? When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female, and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man or human, right? When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness. That means his son was not a monkey, his son was a human. And in his own image. And he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years and then he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. And after he became the father of Enosh... Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters, and altogether Seth lived 912 years, and then he died. And when Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan, and so it goes. Enosh was 90 when Kenan was born. He lived another 815 years, and then he died. And Kenan was 70 when Mahalalel was born, and he lived another 840 years, and then he died. Mahalalel was 65 when Jared was born, and he lived another 830 years, and then he died. There's a pattern in this genealogy. And then Jared was 162 when Enoch was born, and he lived another 800 years, and then he died. And then we have this pause in the genealogy where we get an extra verse, okay? So let's look um, at verses 21 through 24. You can put that one up, Christian. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. It sounds like the other verses until you get to this next verse. Well, no, this one too. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. And then this one, Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. It's this interesting little blurb in the middle of the genealogy from Adam to Noah that we see here. 
in Genesis chapter 5. Interesting to note, Adam was still alive for most of Enoch's life. Adam was still alive for most of Enoch's lifetime. It says here that Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. How cool is that? It's kind of cool. Rather than living to be a really old geezer, God just took him. Like all these other guys were 800, 900 years old. They lived a long time before the flood. God took him away when he was 365. He was still a spring chicken. He was only half the age of all those other guys. The Bible doesn't tell us why God took him away, but maybe it was his mercy because the earth was getting, the mankind was getting very, very evil, and there was a, there was, evil was abounding on the earth. So I don't know. Maybe it was his mercy. For whatever reason, it just says God took him away. But there's another part there that says Enoch walked faithfully with God. And that's what I'd like to focus on this morning. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Another version says he walked in habitual fellowship with God. In reverent fear and obedience, Enoch walked with God. I wonder if he had conversations with Adam. Because in Genesis chapter 3, we know that Adam, we know that God came to the garden to walk with Adam and Eve. Did Adam tell Enoch what it was like to walk with God? I don't know. He could have, right? He was still alive. The Hebrew word used here for walk means to come, go, and walk. It's like all-encompassing. If I am going over here, I'm going, or I'm coming to them, or I'm going over there, or I'm coming to them. It's, I'm walking. It's, it's all-encompassing. Enoch walked with God. He was with God. There's a couple things that are kind of interesting um, about walking. Oh, one more thing. There was another man who was known to have walked with God. There's only a few instances in the whole Bible where it says this person walked with God. The other one was Noah, who was Enoch's great-grandson. But since Enoch didn't live as long, he wasn't still alive when Noah was born. There's some things about walking. Do you guys know what the average pace of walking is? Does anybody know? Travis, do you know? What? Uphill or downhill. downhill. Hiking up the mountain is probably a lot slower, isn't it? The average speed of walking for a human is two and a half to four miles per hour. That's kind of a big window of an average. Two and a half to four miles per hour for your average walking speed. Average running speed for women is about six and a half miles per hour. You guys know how averages work, right? Like, if you're going to have an average of six and a half miles per hour, you're going to have some that run a lot faster, and you're going to have some that run a lot slower. Yeah, I'm in the a lot slower part, but the average for women is six and a half miles per hour. The average running speed for men is eight miles per hour. 
And if you're running for your life, you can run about 12 miles per hour. Unless you're a really, really good athlete, you might be able to sprint faster than that, and then you don't need to worry because, as Jesse Rothaker said yesterday, you just need to be faster than the person behind you. Walking is quite a bit slower than running, isn't it? Sometimes we talk about our Christian life as running the race, and that's not a bad analogy. But sometimes that's how we do all of life. And we're just running the race. And we're just running and running and running. And we don't know what we're, if we're running towards something or running away from something. Walking is a slower pace. Two and a half to four miles per hour in the natural. When we're walking, we have time to see things. When we're walking, we can communicate with the people who are walking with us. We're not out of breath. When we're walking, we can be more attentive to what God's doing and saying. So what can it look like to walk with God? like Enoch did. It says, Enoch walked faithfully with God. It says it twice. He walked with God. So a few practical things. What does it look like to walk with God? Um, number one, I would like to suggest that part of walking with God is realizing that his presence is with you all the time. Everywhere you go, he goes. If we're running at a breakneck speed everywhere we go, we're not really thinking about the fact that God is with us. He is with us everywhere we go. When we confess that he is our Lord and Savior, he gives us his spirit, and he is with us everywhere we go. But sometimes we have to stop and realize that, recognize that. God is a spirit. Just because we can't see him with these eyes doesn't mean he's distant. Right? He's with us. But because he is a spirit, we need to learn how to live in the natural world and in the spirit world at the same time. So, Number one, realize, recognize, acknowledge, take a mental thought. God is with me when I go to work, when I drive in my car, when I'm doing laundry, when I'm cooking, when I'm running my kids around everywhere, when I'm doing school, when I'm studying, whatever it is, God is with you as a companion. Another part of learning to walk with God is to give continual thought toward God. It sounds a little bit like prayer, doesn't it? But sometimes when we use different words, we can take the like 
um, spiritual word that we just automatically categorize and actually think about what it means. Give continual thought toward God. We uh, had an awesome time at camp this week, and one of the things that we talked about, that Jeanette talked about, was the verse from 1 Thessalonians. It's chapter 5, verse 17. It's a very short verse, and it just says, pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Pray without stopping. Depends which version you read. Well, like, brush your teeth and pray. Right? Run and pray. Walk and pray. Drive your car and pray. Like, what does that actually look like? What does that actually mean? I, like, I mean, most of us have jobs to do too, right? Like, we have everyday life things that we have to do. How do you pray continually? Perhaps it looks like having that continual thought toward God. Or as Jeanette suggested, inviting God into your day, being aware of the fact that he is with you when you drive, being aware of the fact that he is with you when you're working, he is with you when you are doing laundry, he is with you in the everyday business of life. Think about him. Communicate with him. Talk to him. Listen. Recently, I read an, an analogy that I really liked because it helped to clarify some things in my brain. But praying, communicating with God, is like breathing. In the natural world, we have to breathe. We learned yesterday that the record for holding your breath is how many minutes? Do any of you counselors remember? What was it? 24. You got it, Troy. 24 minutes. Yeah, that's right. It was a whole Netflix show. 24 minutes. That's, that's, I'm not even trying for that world record. But we all have to breathe. In the natural world that we live in, it is part of our existence. It is necessary for our, our existence. And in the spiritual world, prayer is like breathing. It is necessary for our relationship with God because it is communicating with him. It's thinking about him. It's learning from him. It's listening to him. We don't just do all the talking. Those of you who don't talk a lot, just give a big sigh of relief. Praying continually doesn't mean you need to talk continually to God. Some of you who like to talk are going, shucks, Lavinia, I saw that. Praying is like breathing. We're talking in conversation with him. We're listening. But it's vital to our life with God. Real quick, just because sometimes it can be a little bit confusing, right, when we talk about listening in prayer. There are four different verses, voices that we tend to hear when we stop long enough to listen, right? So we might be hearing the voice of God, and this one we have to train ourselves 
to be able to discern and decipher, okay, was that God speaking to me? Or was it one of these other three voices? The other three voices are our own voice in our heads. That's the one we're the most familiar with. Or other people's voices in our heads. Sometimes we get a track in our head of other people's voices, other people's words that have been spoken over our lives. And we have to be discerning because sometimes those voices will override what God's voice is saying. Be aware. Be discerning. The fourth voice is the voice of the devil. And sometimes he will try to make his voice the loudest because... He is our adversary, and his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. And his native language, according to John 8.44, is lies. I find that interesting. In John 8.44, it says, His native language is lies, for he is the father of lies. So when we're breathing our prayer and we're pouring out our hearts to God, and we're listening for his response. We also are learning to discern. Was that God's response to me? Was that my own thoughts? Was that me letting somebody else's thoughts override God's thoughts? Or was that the enemy who's feeding me lies? And we're on a lifelong journey to learn that. That learning to hear God's voice and understand it is something that we start teaching back in the elementary class. But it's something that we're all on a journey of learning and getting better at. The more we practice, the easier it is to know which voice it is in our heads. And if you have questions about that, I encourage you to talk. Talk to somebody who's, who's more mature in their faith, who's walked this journey in learning to hear God's voice. Talk to them. Ask them to help you discern. Ask them to help you learn and grow. Number one principle that we always tell the kids is it must line up with the principles of God's word. It must line up. God's, God's voice will line up with the principles in his written word. So that's the plumb line. But it's part of learning. It's part of walking with God. That continual thought toward him. That learning to listen and not just do all the talking. That being aware that he is with you. That's part of walking with him. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 33, 3. It says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. That's a pretty cool verse. God's saying, call to me. Come to me. Talk to me. Spend time with me. I'll show you hidden things. I'll show you those great things unsearchable things that you don't know. God loves to share his heart with us when we take the time 
to slow down, recognize he's with us, listen for his voice. It's part of walking with him. Another part of walking with him is yielding to his spirit. It's allowing his Holy Spirit to guide you and empower you. And I'd like to look at a few verses in Galatians. Um, Galatians 5, 16 through 17. I'm, I'm reading these in the Amplified Version because it, it helps to um, explain itself a little bit more. Galatians 5, 16 through 17 says, I say walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, which is seek him and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. For the sinful nature has its desire, which is opposed to the spirit. And the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other. They're continually in conflict so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. In these verses, Paul is describing the internal struggle that we all walk out, right? We've got this sinful nature. Even though we've died to the sinful nature and we, it has been buried and we've been raised again as new life, we still have to figure out how to walk in that freedom and that victory because there will be times when we get that pool again and the Holy Spirit is pulling us to do what is right and our sinful nature is saying, yeah, but it's more comfortable. Don't you remember when it was more fun to do it this way, right? And so there's this this conflict, and Paul is saying, if you walk in the Spirit, you will have the power to not give in to the sinful nature. If you walk in the Spirit, if you walk with God, you will be empowered to not give in to the sinful nature that is trying, that is warring against you, right? So walking with God includes doing his will, yielding to him, doing things his way instead of our own way. It says, be led by the Spirit of God. Walk with the Spirit. Seek him and be responsive to his guidance. How many of you, if, you give your, if your children come to you and ask for advice and you give them guidance and they choose to do the opposite, how many of you are like, I tried to help. I tried to warn them. I've lived life so much longer. I've tried to help them out. But they still make their own decision, right? And sometimes we're like that. We go to God. We go to the Holy Spirit. We say, please help us. Help me know what to do in this situation. Please give me wisdom in this situation. And we feel like he gives us an answer and we walk and do the opposite. The good thing is God's merciful. And we can always come back and ask for forgiveness, and receive his mercy. But the reality is, if we, when we learn to walk in response to the Spirit, when we take his guidance and we obey that, we're going to avoid a lot of heartache in our lives. Walking with God includes yielding to him, doing his will. So it says here, Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. He walked 
faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. That's in Genesis. So I'd like to go back to the Hebrews passage now because there's a couple more things that it says about Enoch in, that, in these verses. Hebrews 11, 5 and 6, I'll read it again. By faith that pleased God, Enoch was caught up and taken to heaven so that he would not have a glimpse of death. He was not found because God had taken him. That kind of makes it sound like they went searching for him, right? He wasn't found. God took him. Even before he was taken to heaven, he received the testimony, still on record, that he had walked with God and pleased him. But without faith, it's impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. There's some really good key words in there. So let's, let's break this down a little bit. Enoch, it says Enoch walked with God and pleased God. And then it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to God. Remember, faith is a gift that God gives to us for salvation, but it is also trusting in God. It's that firm belief that God is true and reliable and trustworthy. And faith also includes having confidence in God's word, having a firm belief that we can rely upon his word, that he will do what he says he will do, that his word is true, that when it says, if you call upon him and you confess your sins and you declare with your mouth that you believe in him and you believe that God raised him from the dead, the power of that resurrection is alive and it's available to you and you will be saved. We can know that that's true because by faith we have confidence that God's word is true, that it's not just empty words on this, these pages. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because whoever comes near to God must believe two things. Number one, that God exists. And number two, that God rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Let's look at those two things a little bit. Believe that God exists. In Romans 1, 18 through 20, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. People who question whether God exists look for evidence in several places. And I want to tell you this morning, when you study creation, you will see evidence of God. When you study creation, you will see evidence of God. And it's been like that since the beginning. God's saying, I've made it very clear. Did you know? I have a couple of fun facts. 
Did you know that owls can rotate their heads up to 270 degrees without moving their body? Humans can only rotate, we can only rotate our heads about 80 degrees. That's helpful for them, isn't it? Owls need that for survival. Did you know octopuses have three hearts? Yeah, you knew that? That's pretty cool, Arabella. They have two hearts that move blood past their gills, and then they have a third heart that circulates the blood around their organs. And when they're swimming, the heart that circulates blood around the organs stops. So they get really tired when they're swimming. So they would actually rather crawl. Octopuses also have nine brains. They have their main brain that helps them make decisions and things like that. And then there's a, like an auxiliary brain at the base of each of their eight arms. And so their arms, the brain in their arms, can help them crack open a shellfish and eat while their main brain is thinking about something else. I think it'd be kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, this brain is like working all the time, but it'd be kind of nice if like my arms would just remember to do the right thing so my brain could think about something else. It's, it's more productive, right? <laughs> Did you know that your mouth produces about a quart of saliva a day? You know, some of you over here, I know you like to carry around your quart jars of water. Yeah, a quart of saliva a day. Yeah. But it's a good thing you have saliva, because if you didn't, you wouldn't be able to taste your food. Yeah. Because your food has to be in the saliva for your taste buds to be able to work and actually taste what you're eating. Did you know that the DNA of any two people on earth, of any two people on earth, whether you look alike or not, our DNA is 99.6% identical. And it's only that 0.4% that gives us the variety that's in this room and around the world. It's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. God's amazing. He's amazing. He's an orderly God. He's an intelligent God. He's intentional in how everything was created. And if you're not sure if he exists, study his creation, not from the presupposition that everything just appeared, but study it to find those orderly, intelligent, incredible ways that things have been created. There's also massive amounts of evidence in personal lives that have been changed. And so if you're still not sure if God exists after studying creation, there are millions of people who have lived over the last 6,000 plus years whose lives have been changed because of personal encounters with the living God. Find one of them. Talk to them.
We've been highlighting just a few on Sunday mornings, but there's lots of stories of God's work in people's lives. I was this, this is the way I was going, but God, God changed me, and now this is my trajectory. That's evidence of God. So here in Hebrews, it's saying, without faith, it's impossible to please God because, first of all, you must, exist, you must believe that he exists. And secondly, you must believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The word here for rewards means he oh, implies that his rewards are consistent with his principles. His rewards are consistent with who he is. And I think it's important for us to remember that. Some, there's a couple concepts that when we hear them, we automatically translate them to mean something good for us in the immediate natural world. And then we can get tripped up. We talk about how God is good. And then something not good happens, and we get tripped up because our definition of good is different than God's definition of good. Sometimes we get tripped up when we read this verse because it's like, well, he rewards those who seek him, but I'm not getting a reward right now because I'm going through a really tough time. And this trial does not feel like a reward. So I don't know if I can trust that God rewards those who seek him because I've been seeking him, but I'm going through a really hard time. God rewards according to his principles. So let's, we'll read some of those in a minute, but I want to also talk about seek. Those who seek, it means to seek out, to search for, to crave until you are satisfied. There's someone in this room who craves a certain kind of ice cream, and we learned about that this week, <laughs> didn't we? Dragging her kids to seven different turkey hills to find the ice cream she was craving. How many of you all crave or have craved something at some point in your life? You, like, if you don't raise your hand, you're probably lying, right? We crave things. Maybe it's pickles. Maybe it's, I don't know, Mexican. Whatever it is. There's certain ones among us that crave weird things at weird times in our lives, right, women? We crave things. Do we crave a relationship with God? Do we crave being in his presence? Do we crave time with him? This verse says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because those who draw near to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Seek him crave him, desire to know him more, desire to understand him more, desire to spend time with him. I'd like to read several verses that I found um, that talk about seeking God, craving him, desiring to be with him. And I invite you, if it's easier to close your eyes so you're not distracted, I invite you to close your eyes, whatever posture you need to be in. But I just want to read the word of God because God's word is powerful and God's word can wash our minds 
right? His word cleanses our minds, cleanses our thoughts. And so I just want to speak these words over you. In fact, I'm just going to say, Lord Jesus, give us an ability to receive from your word. Quiet the thoughts in our minds that are not of you right now. And help us to receive this cleansing and encouragement from your word. Psalm 63.1 O God, you are my God. With deepest longing I will seek you. My soul, my life, my very self thirsts for you. My flesh longs and sighs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 34, 9 through 11. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Remember his definition of good. Does not just mean a new iPhone, right? Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I would teach you the fear of the Lord. Psalm 119.2 says, blessed and favored by God are those who keep his testimonies and who consistently seek him and long for him with all their heart. Those who seek him and long for him with all their heart will be blessed and favored by God. That's the reward of seeking him. The reward of seeking him is that you will be blessed. The reward of seeking him is that you will lack no good thing. He will give you the peace, the mercy, the forgiveness, the strength, the power that you need in your life to walk with him. The reward for seeking him lines up with his principles, right? Proverbs 28.5 says, Evildoers do not understand what is right, but those who seek the Lord understand fully what is right. Jeremiah 29.13 says, You will seek me. This is God's promise to the people. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Brothers and sisters, if you are seeking God, keep on seeking and don't give up. Because when you keep on seeking, you will find him. That's his promise. You will find him. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait confidently for him, to those who seek him on the authority of his word. And our Bible memory verse from camp this week, Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek and keep on seeking, because he who keeps on seeking the Lord will find him. That's a promise. So when those times come in your life where it seems a little silent, just know 
When you are walking with God, he is with you everywhere you go. Continue to give him your thoughts, that breath prayer. And don't stop seeking because you will find him. There was a man named Enoch who several thousand years ago before the flood was known as one who lived by faith. He walked with God and he pleased God. I don't know about you, but I, would, I want to be known as one who walks with God. I want to be known as one who walks with God. I want to be one who is like, you know, like the evidence of old shoes worn for a long time, for many, many miles. I want that evidence to be in my life. Not because I'm perfect, because we never reach perfection, brothers and sisters. I'll say that again. We never reach perfection, right? But we reach maturity. God matures us. And as we walk with him in faith, the fruit of our lives will be evidence that he is real. Our lives will be Evident, evidence to the people around us that he is real. So I encourage you this morning, keep on seeking him. You will find him. Keep yielding to the guidance of his spirit because then you will have the victory over your sinful nature. Recognize that his presence is always with you. Realize that. He is your closest companion and practice continual conversation with him. It's your spiritual breathing. I'd like to invite the prayer team to come and the worship team, sorry, yes, worship team come. Um, prayer team, um, you guys can come up also. Over on, The prayer team will be over in this area if you want someone to stand in prayer with you. But as we end our time this morning, I just want to encourage you and challenge you to keep seeking God. If there's something in your life right now that you want someone to stand in prayer with, I encourage you to find someone to pray with you. The prayer team will be here or you've got friends who can pray with you. Don't give up seeking him. Don't give up learning how to walk with God. It's a lifelong journey and it's worth it. Don't give up praying and practicing that listening and talking and communicating with God. He is good and he desires to reward those who earnestly seek him. Let's worship.